Welcome to Streets and Eats, the podcast where we want to inspire your next trip by telling you about some fantastic destinations and the best food to eat while you're there. Now remember, until the world opens completely back up and you feel safe to travel again, use this time to just research and plan. That's what we're here for. In this episode, we're going to take you to one of our favorite countries in Europe, France. Why is it our favorite? Well, to be honest, it wasn't at first. You know, there was always that stereotype of the French waiter. Um, and actually, it even happened to us on one of our very first trips into France in Orange. We were at a outside cafe. One of my friends ordered the fruit de saison, which was the fruit of the season. He got one banana on Half a plate. Half a banana. Half a banana on a plate. Still in and the deal. And it cost like 16 francs or whatever. Yeah. At that time, which was about four or five bucks. Too much. And then when we went to pay after everything was done, he grabbed all of our money, which was needing change, and disappeared. Just disappeared. Never saw him again. I guess that was his tip. Anyway, with that experience and just, uh, you know, the French did have a reputation of not being too tolerant of travelers. That has really, I think, changed a lot, don't you think? Well, I know it has. Yeah, because well, they we've had, experienced it for sure. We have experienced it, but they also had an actual campaign. That's right, a French campaign um, back in the eighties, I think eighties uh, or nineties. I don't know when the campaign was, but a French person told me about it. Where they, the whole country was like, "Come on, people, we need tourists. You know, be nice to them. We want them to spend their money here." I mean, who wouldn't? Right, tourism is a huge moneymaker. But luckily, so, it didn't stop us, and and now we love France. Okay. So, you know, if you're thinking um, France, where do you need to go first? Paris. Not only is it the capital city, it's the largest city, and it's the most well-known city. Is it my favorite part of France? No. But I do love it. It's gorgeous. And there's still tons of things to do there. What we've done is we've kind of split out i mean there's so much to do in paris that can you really do it in one trip well no way not i think the, stay for a month well not only that but unless you really love cities who wants to just Ugh. pound the pavement for a month right you know so i kind of think even though we're counting it as one trip we there's so much to do and see there that i would i would think that you might want to break it into two trips or three trips or fly into paris for any of the trips, and then rent your car and go from there. But no matter what, go to Paris. So what can you do there? Well, the first things people do, of course, are, you know, everybody knows about them. The Eiffel Tower, the Louvre Museum, the Dorsai Museum, the Arc de Triomphe, Montmartre, Sacré-Cœur, Champs-Élysées. These are all names that you've probably heard of. And if you haven't, and you start looking into France, you're you going to see tons of them. Um, one thing that people have always wanted to do is go to the Moulin Rouge. Well, there's nothing more touristy and probably more expensive right. than going to the Moulin Rouge. The Moulin Rouge is a an old burlesque show. Um, I think it, it's kind of a bar restaurant, which you can mm, right. still technically get food, but I certainly would not recommend it. Um, you're going to pay enough to go on this trip to begin with. <laughs> right. Well, it seems like most of the ways people go there is through a tour of some sort. And it's usually included a meal or a snack and 
like a half a bottle of champagne or yeah, something like that. Yeah. And, it's, and I do think, honestly, you can buy your tickets yourself, but it is easier to get the tickets beforehand on a tour. We can um, certainly put a link in our website on the show notes for that. Um, but we went, we went once. It was fun. Yeah. It it's was a good fun. experience. It's a good experience to do for one of those one once time. of a lifetime experiences. If you've been to Vegas and seen the shows there, you may not need to do yeah, it. It may but... be a lot like the Rockettes too in New York City, which yeah. we haven't done. But I think it's a little bit more risky. It's more risky. Yeah. I think they show a little this bit is more not for skin. Kids. <laughs> yeah, it's it maybe is not where you want to take your uh, preteens, especially. It's a pretty good show, <laughs> but mean, it's really. a pretty good show. Yeah, I mean you will like it, but it is touristy. Um, the Eiffel Tower. I mean, you're gonna hit lines to go up the Eiffel Tower. You can walk up versus taking the the um, elevator. But no matter how you go, you're gonna go up high in the city and have great views. My daughter's afraid of heights, and when she was five, she went up the Eiffel Tower, much to her and because of her tantrums, my chagrin. I should have waited with her at the bottom. She yeah. could have looked up yeah. and enjoyed it from below. Um, but it is, if you're afraid of heights, it is a little scary. Um, there's so many museums, so many museums in Paris. The the big ones, the Louvre and the Dorsai, are, you know, unmissable. You have to go there. Again, though, that you have to buy your tickets ahead of time yeah. and be prepared for lines and, and just sort of be patient because can, there's going to be tons and thousands of people there. And you can get a multi-day Paris pass mm -hmm. that will include, if it doesn't include all of the museums, it includes a discount. And for some of them, the bigger ones especially, has a skip the line type thing. Yeah. So that's a good way to do it. Um, the Arc de Triomphe. Well, you don't really have to go to the Arc de Triomphe. You can see it from a lot of different places in Paris. It's a big arc, um, but it is fun to go to. It describes, you know, uh, some of the battles and Napoleon's it definitely battles. tells about... You can go up to the top of it as well if you want to suck in car fumes. And... <laughs> I mean, but it's a good view. It's worth going it to the top view. of it. I mean, we've gone Anytime you times. can get above the rooftops in Paris, I mean, it's the view to die for. Maybe not the best from the Arc de Triomphe, but it's a good one. That is a very well-known place where um, scammers hang out, though. They will. What they will do when they're famous scams is... They will have three people, and one is um, a man who runs up behind you with a wedding ring and says, Ma'am, ma'am, you, you dropped your wedding ring, which of course isn't yours, but you can't help but look at it. Even if you know this is a scam, you are going to look at the ring. Because he holds it up in your face. I mean, you, you, you're going to. And then the next thing you know, you're surrounded by people. Well, the next and... thing you do is you check your wedding ring. Did I really lose my wedding ring? And that's what they're looking for. Your wedding ring. And they make an evaluation right then of, you know, is this a person that has money? And then they will tag you and follow you back to your hotel where then they can rob the hotel. That's the big scam with that one, with the wedding ring. Well, they also just or pickpocket you. you if yeah. the opportunity arises. At any rate, be very careful and always be with um, people if you're going to the Arch of Triumph. Plus, getting there, you have to cross the road, which... If you go over the road, is death-defying. Yeah. If you go under the road, then, well, you're safe. Right. Well, and another <laughs> thing about the scammers, you know, leave your expensive jewelry at home. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, we also someone got saw someone get mugged in the Louvre, right outside the Louvre, waiting for a tour of us to pick them up. So, like Jim said, just be very careful and wary. It's a big city. There's people that need money. Of course, they're going to do things. They know they that need the, they know that the rest are there, and they know where they're at. Exactly. Have some um, sense. One of the places that people love to go, and I wanted to go. I couldn't wait to go the first time I went to Paris quite some time ago, um, is Montmartre. It's a square that's beautiful. It's got outdoor seating for cafes. It's got the artists that um, are painting there. Mm. And it's very picturesque. Um, But I would have to say that as time has gone by, if you keep your distance and you take snap a few pictures, I guess it's okay. But I don't know. The artists I don't think don't I'm, want you taking their picture. They don't, and they get upset about and it. And it's very expensive to sit there. You have to pay just to sit at a table, let alone get something to drink. And so it's going to cost you three times the amount of having a coffee there, and it would pretty much anywhere yes. else in Paris. If that's what you want to do, by all means, do it. It is. It's you know one of those things. But on the other hand. Uh, I've lost a lot of... Definitely a place to walk through and enjoy the ambiance of it as much as you can, but it's not somewhere you want to spend a lot of time, really. There's so many places like that throughout Paris that you don't have to go there, is my point. They do have a beautiful um, cathedral up on the hill, Sacré-Cœur, which is the big, white, beautiful cathedral, and it's got great views as well. That's a nice place to go. And if you want to go shopping, got to go to the Champs-Élysées. And there's just nothing like walking the shops. It's quite the experience. <laughs> it's, I mean, from designer fashions to One designer One hour Ferrari Macron. rentals. Right? <laughs> right outside the Macron place, they were renting yes. the Ferraris. That yeah. you could just drive up and down that street. Very interesting. But there's tons to do. One of our favorite things to do, and I've done it a few times. I don't know how many times you've done it, is take the Seng Cruise. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to listen to a little commentary, but it's just so nice to be on the boat. Bat out on deck and just watch Paris go by. Yeah, I like cool. that a lot. It's very cool. Um, another way you can enjoy the Seine is just to sit on the side of it. This is Erica told me to say this. Sit on the side of it with a picnic, a little charcuterie basket, a baguette, some and cheese. some wine, and yeah, go out to Pont Neuf and just sit on the bank. Yeah, watch the world go by. And it's a is a good idea. It's a good tip for a reason. Yeah, how romantic, right? That's what France is. Um, of course, while you're there, you're gonna want to eat. We have some. Really good restaurants to recommend. Some Places are a little, we go back to. Yeah, we've gone back to them every time, actually. And even though they could be sometimes a little on the fringe of touristy, they're well worth it. Um, the problem is when you're in the center of France, the center of Paris, you're there's going to be tourists there. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to go to a restaurant typically that you doesn't have, have pretty any foreigners out. there. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily the goal. You want good food, right? The first one we found is right across from Notre Dame, and it's called Le Frigate, which is the frigate, a big boat. And they serve a daily menu. And we always go to get the steak au poivre and the mm. frites. Yes. So it's a steak with a pepper, pepper sauce. Steak and french fries. And french fries. And it's mm. just really good. And it's in a good place. And it's so cute. It's a small little restaurant. Well, you get that one, but I always get the steak roquefort. And yeah, you get the roquefort. Because I true. love roquefort cheese on my steak. 
that's with fries, of course, as well. Yeah. It's a real heart stopper. <laughs> Sop up that cheese sauce with the but French fries. But you've been pounding the pavement all day. So. And you mix a little red wine in with it and it cuts through the cheese. So it's okay. <laughs> Maybe we should have that for dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> another one that we love to go to, and this one is, I would say, pretty touristy. Of the, of the ones that we would mention, it's probably the most touristy. But, but it also has it's got a lot of good food. French people eating there. And it's so yummy. It's called Le Souffle. It's a restaurant that only makes souffle. So they have it's something near the like. Louvre, right? Yeah. It's yeah, like, it's right across right from across the Louvre. And so they have, um, I think, six or seven, maybe more, savory Savories, souffle. Mushroom, asparagus in the season. Lots of good yeah, stuff. Yeah, well, it changes. That's it's the seasonal. good thing about France. It's seasonal. With meat, without meat. Cheese, of course. I guess that's a good tip if you're looking for tourist restaurants, or if you're looking for restaurants in tourist areas. If you can find the ones that have seasonal menus, they're probably going to be a better quality as well. Absolutely. And um, then, so what we did, we like to do, is we'll get, depends on how many people are with us, but we like to get a a number of savory souffles. You know, not necessarily one per person because it can get a little overwhelming, but you know two out of three or whatever. And then we follow that up with some sweet soufflés. Right. But to eat a savory, a full savory souffle and a full sweet souffle by yourself, that's, that's a bit much. So you really want to do some sharing. Like one for two people, one savory and one sweet is a really good way to do it. And if you're still hungry, you can order something else, but that's, it's a pretty big souffle. And they take about, I think 20 minutes, mm. but they're making right there pretty much in front of you. You can see them doing it. It's just delicious. It's well worth going. Definitely one of our favorites. And then we found this this other one not too long ago. Um, it's called Le Comptoir du Relais. And it's also um, down by the Pont Neuf in the Notre Dame, along with a little block or two off the Seine. And this place is just packed Outside and in. And there are both French and foreigners there that go and to it. It has such a population that, yes, you're going to get the tur- the tourists along with the locals. But it's so well known that when the day one of the days that we were there was a cooking school. They went, they took their students there and they had to eat the, that food because it's so renowned. It's such right. a good place. So that well, tells me, hey. If teachers are taking their culinary students there, that's a good place to eat. Yeah. And we had things like bone marrow and... They have a really good terrine. Very... A French terrine. Very old style. Just really delicious, meaty. Yeah. And they get you in there. And even though um, it's right in the center of city and it's very popular, it takes only about an hour to eat, which is kind of nice, too, because you can get a lot of yeah. a lot more touring in. Um, but on your first trip or second trip to Paris, there's some really close things to do nearby, too. So we'll talk about those yeah. right yeah. after Jim tells you a little bit more about some of the cool things to do in Paris. So while you're in Paris... Well, the more times you go, the more you can veer off that tourist path. Or the more time you have. And you're not going to return to the Eiffel Tower every time you go. You might go back to the Louvre. I would recommend not trying to do the entire Louvre all in one trip. Uh, And the same with the Dorsai. They're way too large for that. You might piece piece that out like that. That's a good way to do it. Um, But there's a lot of lesser known things. One of our favorites off the beaten path is the Musée 
Des Arts Foraine, which is a like an old carnival museum. So they've taken the old organs and music organs and the old Ferris wheels. And know, games. Games, not Ferris wheels. Carousels, that's Carousels. what I'm looking for. There is a small Ferris wheel in there, but it's not when you ride. Uh, but the old carnival games, like the horse race with the wooden ball that you throw up into the holes and you race other players across across the field. And that's that's a pretty cool one. They have an old bicycle that was my favorite. Ride, which was my favorite, where the people on the ride are the power for it. And that one's actually quite thrilling. So you're pedaling the whole time. Yeah. But it's old timey and it's romantic and it's fun and it's quirky. It's just a cool place. The whole decorations of it is uh, very much like stepping back in time into an old carnival. That's probably one of my favorite places. You Paris. do have to make reservations or yeah. go on a tour for that one. That is not something you can just walk you're up and buy walk tickets. Up to it. Uh, another good place, and a lot of people would put this on their first trip. It depends on what kind of time you have uh, or your interest level. Uh, but mm. we always like walking through old cemeteries. Uh, the older, the better. You really get a good good sense of the art of the period. Uh, and in some cases, you can really see some interesting uh, tombstones. Well, how cultural is it? I mean, it changes everywhere you go. Yeah. So our favorite in Paris, of course, is the Père Lachaise Cemetery. Uh, everybody going to Paris usually knows that Jim Morrison is buried in a cemetery in Paris. So they are always looking for which cemetery was it? Well, it's the Père Lachaise. Uh, a lot of famous people were buried there. It's probably the largest cemetery and oldest cemetery in Paris. Oscar Wilde was born, was buried there. <laughs> born. Uh, Chopin. And, and tons and more. Tons more. Um, but even if you're not looking for this famous people's burial sites, um, just the art and the mystique and just the feeling of it. And it's kind of park-like as well. So it, it doesn't, yeah. you're not walking on sidewalks, you're walking on paths. And so it feels a little bit, less Very shady city. yeah you're out of you're out of the pavement for a while which is also very nice uh, another one of our favorite places to go and erica also introduced us to this one was the is the derol taxidermy story um, which this if, is quirky if you've got can be. any interest at all in naturalism uh animals insects things like that it's a taxidermy and that's what they have and you can just go and like check out the different Butterflies that they have on display. Drawers and in, drawers uh, of them. Beetles, insects of all types, animals of all types, just stuffed into this. Uh, it's not a tiny store, but it's, it's not very large. It's multi-level, but it's not very large. Uh, but what's really cool about it is you can also buy the stuff there. Although I'm not sure what the laws are for bringing yeah. anything like that back to, back to the U.S. Um but there are a lot of cool things on display there. Definitely worth a trip. And if you've got more time on a, you, you know, you've come on a second trip or a third trip, definitely a good place to take a cooking lesson. Um, we, and I would even argue that nowadays, if we were just going to Paris, we'd probably I might put take it on my it, first trip, right? um, my first trip early on, probably. Yeah, uh, we took a couple of lessons there. You took the croissant. baking lesson, croissant. Mm. So good. Although you've not made a croissant for me since then. No. 
No, but our quickie messing was, I took it with my daughters, um, Devin and Erica, and we had such a good time. I mean, I don't know if all the instructors, but we had the, I just love this instructor. He was so, and this is sort of bad in a way, stereotypically French. He says to me, mix it. I said, mix it. No, 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 don't stop. Did I say stop? Oh my God, he was cracking me up. He was just so hilarious. Yeah, I loved him. That sounded like a good one. Mine was really good too. I took a, a sauce Sauces. lesson, which we covered making four or five of the traditional sauces. And I've have used that knowledge since. Um, but more important than that, they really gave us a lot of really good recommendations on um, other type of foodie, if you want to use that word, places to go and different restaurants to try uh, other food that you might not have read about in a in a blog post or a tourist book or, or yeah. uh, one of those, which ends up also ended up becoming one of our favorites um, was Le Comptoir de la Gastronomie, which another comptoir, which is, just means counter, like kitchen counter in French. Um, but here they specialize in foie gras. Uh, and it's a very seasonal, very fresh, very, you know, farm to table, if you want to call it that. Um, delicious food, delicious, amazing food. food. Again, and, in know, the Montmartre area, but not up on the hill. So on Rue de Montmartre. Rue de Montmartre. Yeah, and the thing about it is, I mean, foie gras, which maybe isn't the most, you know, best thing to do to to get a food. I thought was something that there was no way that I would ever love, but I got to tell it's you, quite good. They do it well. It's but everything there was good. You didn't have to have foie gras. And yeah, you don't have to have foie gras. So there's tons of, th of things to do in Paris. And the thing is, you can go back over and over and over again, and you're going to find more and more and more things to do. But like I said before, it's not my favorite place in the country because we've been all over the country, and I tend to like the smaller cities or the places that are just a little off the beaten path where we really get to interact more, I think, with the locals. Yeah. So one of the things we started doing was taking road trips there, and we would get a gite, which is basically the same thing as Airbnb. Right. Um, and I'll put the link in a, the show notes. And they have all kinds of them, and they're cheap. They're cheap. I mean, we you can some of them are as cheap as like 160 euros for the entire seven day week that's how much you would pay per night normally. a lot of them go seasonally so it might get more expensive depending on what time of year you're going but sure. it's still a really good way to get accommodations for a week no matter what it's going to be cheaper and they typically have of course everything in airbnb would have they have the kitchen they have a place to park they have um oh well you know whatever you need i don't think we saw any of them with washers and dryers they don't quite go that far but but they they're well um, usually usually equipped. okay stocked as far as you know cooking materials. Although the one we stayed in in Loire Valley didn't have flour. Yeah, I'm about to tell you this story. So we stayed in this little tiny cottage in the Loire Valley while we wanted to go out and see all the World Heritage castles and just really enjoy the the river during the spring. Well, while we were there. Um, we ended up stopping by this one place that grows mushrooms. And so we, I don't know how many kinds of mushrooms they Three had, but 
We, well, they had several, but yeah. They had several, and we got a bunch, and we started making this uh, onion, this mushroom soup, um, which the recipe is on our site. And we'd made it before. We learned, actually, in, in Japan how to bake it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to have it at our, at our jeet, and we realized to thicken the soup, we needed some flour. Well, number one, I couldn't remember how to say flour in French. And we had no idea. So number two, we're in the middle of the countryside. Yeah, there was no cottage. There was was no no shop anywhere. Big, huge. Just a couple of neighbors. Grocery store. So I went knocking on doors, and the guy next door was so nice. I said, "It's uh, in my my abysmal French." I was explaining, you know, the French powder you cook with, the French powder you cook with, you know, for bread. And so finally, with all my, um bumblings he finally got the point across and he gave us a cup of flour which we didn't even need that much to make our soup so that was pretty cool um so we suggest you know going and finding a place and then using it as your base staying there the whole weekend and sort of branching out and doing things we did this quite a few times in france that's what the next um trips are about the first one was in the loire valley um we went to chenonceau the beautiful castles like chambord and you just tour these, just these palaces that are filled with period furniture and just over-the-top ballrooms and decorations. Um, it's, and it's beautiful. Of course, there's lots of ch- uh, churches and abbeys and historical towns. You're, we were there for 10 days, and we didn't even really get close yeah. to seeing everything there's so much to do but maybe part of that was because one of the things we learned how to do on this trip was how to eat like the french what does that mean well first of all of course they like to go to the marches the markets and get fresh food and cook it for that day that's home cooking but eating out which we did that too which we did too um but eating out they do a little bit differently they take their time we're not I don't think we're that very good at doing that in the United States. Slowing down enough for me. Slowing down. Two or three hours for lunch. Right. So we would end up going to lunch a little afternoon, probably one o'clock-ish. And we'd sit down and these restaurants out in the middle of the Loire Valley in between the wine fields and stuff would have um, a meal of the day, a tour. a formule it's called and so you basically might have a couple of choices in it or you just get what's on there and it's always three courses your appetizer your main and your small dessert so and it takes a while i mean this is not you're not going there and getting out of there in an hour it would take at least two drinking wine and aperitifs and just having good conversation just talking and eating and enjoying yourself so we would ask the waiter you know what is a good local wine to pair with the meal that we've chosen. And they always have an answer and who knows if it's what they would choose or not, but we chose it and we had it. it And we almost, we never had one that was bad. And then we went after we'd have dinner, after we had that lunch, we would go and we would find the winery and we'd find that specific winery. We'd go and do a lot more tastings, no matter tell them how the waiter recommended their wine and they'd always get super excited about that and they'd really like turn on the charm and try to impress you and just really open up a lot which was really cool 
So that week, um, I think we bought like, you know, at least seven cases cases of wine (laughs) to take home with us. And then the one thing that we did do is we even tried a Michelin star restaurant in a place called Chateau du Pre. And uh, it was fantastic. The tasty menu wasn't cheap. It was about 100 euros. um, But I think it was like 12 courses. Yeah, it was huge. And with wine pairings. With wine pairings, yeah. So actually, I that's mean, a really so it's a price. pretty cheap price for a Michelin star restaurant. And, you know, I mean, it goes without saying, it was an amazing meal. Um, that was my first Michelin star restaurant. And uh, yeah, it too. lived up to the hype, I got to tell you. We've been to a few since then, but that was our first. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. The Loire Valley was full of medieval towns and markets. And, yeah. And the thing about it is not that far from Paris. So go. Yeah, like you said. Go into Paris, do some of the things that you need to do or want to do in Paris, um, and then take a week and go somewhere else in France, like the Loire Valley. Or another one of our favorite places is Alsace, um, which is in eastern France on the German border. It's actually called Est France now. They've changed the province name because they've they've combined provinces. Ah, So. But it's still known as the Assas region as well. Yeah. And the, uh, the Rue de Vannes is the wine route there is just a phenomenal road to drive. I think it's like 100 kilometers, um, just dotted with little medieval walled towns and castles on the hillsides. And of course, field after field of grapes and wineries that are also really impressive and fun to visit. Uh, but our favorite place in Alsace is really a very small town called Kinsheim. It is a medieval walled town, um, but I think there's one small street in it. There's maybe three or four different vintners that have offices on the main street. Uh, an old abbey, but not a whole lot. There's, I mean, there's not a supermarket or anything like that. It's just a quiet little town that's in the middle of, of grape fields. And even for the Rue de Vin, it's not one of the more popular towns. Yeah, it's really not. Um, you've got other ones like Ricver and uh, Ribovalet, and there's other ones that are much more well-known. And so this one's a little bit quieter. So it's and nice. It's just so You're kind pretty. of away from all the crowds. Um, and our favorite hotel is the Schwendi there, Hotel Schwendi, which is also a restaurant. Um, I think we talked about that in a previous podcast where uh, a lot of times in Europe, and you're finding this more around the world, where you have a small hotel where they also have a restaurant, and that's part of their draw is the quality of their restaurant. Well, I like to think of the Schwindy as a restaurant that just happens to have a hotel as well, (laughs) which is really nice because the food is delicious. And you're in France, you're in the middle of a a famous wine region. You're going to be drinking the wine. This way you are already parked. You have a fabulous meal. I always get the, uh, it's a trout that's been deboned and served whole on the plate in a, just a gorgeous, uh, beurre blanc sauce. And I always get the lamb, which is amazing, but it's, it's hard to say that because we do try to switch it up a little bit. We've gone every year for at least, uh, at least eight years in a row. That's how much we love this place. And we're really missing it now. And we're missing we it been right in a, now. In, a, in two years now. Let's book a ticket. Maybe three years. I don't know. Um, so that's, yeah, that's one of our trips that we like to do in France is get to the Alsace. We There's 
medieval castles. Uh, one of our favorite places also is Kaisersburg, where there's a little artisanal boulangerie. You get there early enough in the morning and the croissants are coming fresh out of the oven. And they are the most amazing buttery flaky croissants on the planet. And the line is out the door. Yeah, but if you go too late, you won't get it. Yeah, any. but they're pretty they're pretty good. And I mean they're good at helping people. It's just really Also my place. favorite Tart Flambeau place. <laughs> Tart Flambe, yeah. Flambe, yeah, it's yeah. there. A Tart Flambe is a like a like a pizza, but it's not a pizza. And the traditional one has Creme fraiche and ham and onions on it. But there's ones with all different toppings. Mm. They're delicious. Goat cheese and fig and walnut. That's my favorite. Mm. I've had all kinds of them. And like a nice cream sauce on it. Yeah. So the Alsace is definitely one of our favorites. And you can spend a week there. Same thing. Either pick one hotel and stay there. Make that your point of operations and just... Uh, take different day trips or you can start at one end of the wine route and stay at a couple of different places along the way depending what time of year you're there um, there's festivals all year long one of our favorites is in Ribovillet. it's a medieval festival with a with a massive parade that draws in villagers and townspeople from from Ribovillet and around it uh, and the floats are just incredibly ornate graphic. usually very graphically um in the uh, what's the word i'm looking for i don't know but it's it's not it's not like horror but it's pretty close to that they can they can get a little scary for children but not enough so that I wouldn't take kids. Yeah. Because they probably wouldn't really realize what's going on. And the makeup and the costumes are fantastic. beautifully done. And they have, you know, all kinds of medieval food. On Sunday, they have wine pouring from the... From the town fountain. Town fountain. I mean, it's just... I mean, how friends And that's definitely one, if you want to go to, you need to plan it in advance. And maybe a year in advance and book a hotel room right in town. And just stay there. You don't move because... No, just stay there. It's great. They usually... That hotel will usually have tables out on the street um, that you can also make sure you have a spot reserved on the on the table at the street. Have your meal, drink wine, watch as the world goes by, and then when the parade starts, just be ready to be amazed. Yeah. And, and the other thing about Alsace is right on the border of Germany, so you can even take a jaunt over into Germany. And do sure. something over there if you want to. Or tack it onto a trip to Germany. Yeah. We love the Alsace. I, I'm sure you can tell. Another trip we took, which was just as good, but we've only done this once, is we did northern France, um, basically going up through Brittany and Normandy. You know, we're Americans, and we wanted to make sure that we were up seeing the Normandy beaches. And so we built a whole um, trip around it. We, again, stayed in a sheet. The one we stayed in was very nice. It wasn't as quaint and as perfect as the first one that we picked, but it had its own charms and everybody was comfortable. And again, we had, you know, our kitchen and everything. So it was well, well worth it. Um, it didn't have a whole lot of restaurants around it. And so we had to drive further to go out to eat. But it was great. Um, we did things like, as we're driving around, all of Brittany 
is on the coast, of course. We were up on the coast. And so there's all these little fishing villages. One of our favorite fishing villages we went into, surprisingly enough, we found out afterwards, Anthony Bourdain had gone to. Also one of his favorites. Yeah. Um, and what's there are oysters. And mm -hmm. so it's really famous for their oysters. And the most famous was Anne de Boulogne. Um, so we went there, just like Anthony did, and we ordered our oysters and we... Um, this little tiny hut, and we just sat outside. Ate had, fresco. Oh, it was wonderful. Delicious. So wonderful. Fresh, fresh, fresh. And while we were there, it happened to be clamming season, and there was lots of people out on the That's right. on the banks clamming while we were having our oysters. We didn't go clamming because we didn't know about it ahead of time. No. It's not <laughs> something you just walk out and do. Um, another thing we did find, though, as we were driving around, was here's this town and they do this in the states too they just put up the sign and we're having our muscle fest so they had trucks and pallets full of fresh mussels that they just pulled in and that's all they, they served there was just you, know, you go out there i think they had a bouncy castle and they had mussels and there that was, was a it stage i think where there was, was there, some oh, there was some music you're right and some music that was it though no, i mean it. this is not a big fest it was basically you're coming here to eat mussels mussels and drink apple cider and it was super yummy so we honestly don't even know what town that was in that's one reason we like to drive so when we see things like that we can take advantage of them um yeah those unexpected that's pleasures. that's what makes the trip even that much more memorable. Some of the the other places that we went on that trip, uh, we went to Mont Saint Michel, and I mean everybody wants to go to Mont Saint Michel. You've seen the pictures of this huge cathedral like castle up on a on this hill in the middle of the bay, and it's as it's impressive, impressive as the pictures make it out to be. It's pretty darn cool. Uh, we went to St. Malo, which I had never heard of before, but it is a fortress town, uh, Stonewall. It's got a fortress out in the bay. Old Harbor. An old harbor. I mean, just beautiful. And everywhere you go, the, the food is amazing. We fresh, found fresh seafood, yeah, everywhere. And we found out it was an apple cider area, so we went to a couple of cedaries, I think they're mm. called, um, and learned a little bit about the processes there. And, of course, brought some home because what are you going to do? Um, and, yeah, I mean, the idea of our trips, the way we like to do it is we have a, a, a list and we hit those main points. But we also like to play it by ear. So that one was really good for playing by ear. And the Normandy beaches were one of the main reasons that we went um, were, you know, full of history. Thought-provoking. Thought-provoking. Um, good and also museums, beautiful beaches. Beautiful. The American Cemetery is beautiful. All of that. I can't stress enough how much fun we had and how wonderful the people were. And the food was great. And that was another one of those one-week trips, right? It was just a one-week trip, yeah. Which are, is a really good way to do France. Pick a different region, get a gite for a week, and explore that region. Uh, of course, fly into Paris first or on the way out and spend some extra days on either end seeing more of Paris. There's always more to do there, but that way you don't get burned out on it. Uh, and another one of our favorite our last one week long trips, and this will be the last one we cover today, um, is Southern France. Uh, Southern France, it, most people will think first off, of course, of Cannes and Nice, nice and those coastal towns 
Cote d'Azur. Uh, Cote d'Azur. Which is beautiful. Right. But, but we're we talking further south than that. We've done that already. So from on this trip, there's things like Pont de Garde, which is this massive old Roman aqueduct that spans across the Garde River. Uh, just one of the most beautiful places on earth. So that's like your entrance into the area. And what we did there, we just put our feet in the water while people are kayaking and swimming, swimming. under the aqueduct. And we didn't have our swimsuits. We just put our feet in the water. And you know what? Little fishes came and got our skin off. So it was just doing like Dr. Fish without having to pay the fee because it right. was part of the deal. <laughs> so on this trip, we actually had another gite and we stayed in Montadi. Which is a tiny little place, but really awesome. Small. Just a small town. It did have a cafe, which we ate in once, which was a great experience with, because it is just locals that are going in there. Uh, and they're always excited and interested to see who's renting the gite on the hill. Uh, and it is. It's up on a hill overlooking the town and overlooking an old, um, now drained etang, which would, at the time when we were there was just covered, this whole like five acre area covered in sunflowers. They were huge and ready for harvesting, I think. Uh, but a beautiful dried up lake that's still being used there. Little. Uh, defensive tower up on the hill, old stone tower up on the hill. Just so much charm in this little town. Uh, but a really good place to branch out on day trips. So we went out to Roquefort sur Solzone and we learned about Roquefort cheese and how it was uh, it was first discovered that this moldy blue cheese is delicious. Uh, the story is something like a shepherd was... Uh, Eating his lunch. his lunch in a little sheltered cave area, watching his sheep just outside the cave. And he saw his girlfriend down the hill. So he dropped his lunch and ran down the hill and forgot all about the lunch. Until a couple of months later when he just happened to be back in the area with his sheep and he found his lunch. And the cheese had turned this strange color. But, you know, you're hungry. hungry. It's cheese. <laughs> So he ate it, and it was delicious, and Roquefort was born. And they still make it kind of the same way. They have some special loaves of bread that they have baked for the cheesemakers. And they let them sit in a cave for 30 or 40 days, get it all moldy. They take that mold, they inject it into the cheese as it's um, starting to form, and it makes blue cheese delicious. Uh, and the whole town's about blue cheese. Yeah. So every restaurant you went to had blue cheese dishes. In some sort of Roquefort. The the market was full of blue cheese vendors. It's just a cool little place to go. And they're very proud of it. And, and they're very proud. And if it's not made in that town with the milk from the cows of the area or bread baked in sheep. that same. Oh, yes, sheep. Or, or the bread that's been baked in the area a specific way, it cannot be called Roquefort. It can be called blue cheese, but it can't be called Roquefort unless it was made there. Um, really a fascinating place. Uh, one of our favorite medieval fortified cities, Carcassonne, is in that area. Another day trip. You can get into Andorra if you're trying to add another country to your list. country list in Europe. Well, Andorra is only 17 kilometers long. So we actually drove the entire length 
as just a little jaunt from this area because why not? Why not? Into Spain and did a little bit of northern Spain and then back up uh, along the coast. This is the first place we came across a Vauban fortress. And Vauban is an architect that lived in the 1700s. And he is credited for being a strategic genius in building fortresses. Um, Napoleon loved Vauban so much that he dug up his body where it was buried and he took his heart out and he moved the heart to the museum in Paris. Les Invalides, yeah, where Napoleon is also buried, um, which is a great place to go, by the way, especially if you like military history like we do. Yeah. Um, But... Mont Louis is the fortress that we went to and it's still being used by the french military so when we were there there was helicopters flying over this you know old 18th century stone fortress doing rappelling out of the helicopters and pretending to storm different areas Uh, really fascinating but just a beautiful stone fortress Um, it's also like i said it's near the spanish border so there's a lot of spanish influence uh, there's bullfights. They have the feria, the, the festivals, where this one feria we went to, uh, right near the Spanish border, it was also the bullfight time, of course. They had the horses and all the, the men that were going to be participating in a parade uh, through the main street. The whole town was out, kids included, drinking these small little 25 centiliter beers. Uh, but drinking them one after the other nonstop. I guess that way it stays cold while you drink it. I, I don't know. But it was they just enjoying such an experience with the music and the dancing and, of course, good food. Uh, and just watching the whole town out there partying was so much fun. Um, but that whole week-long trip uh, is probably one of our highlights. It's not one of the more famous wine-growing regions, but it has been making... Uh, a lot of inroads, I guess, recently. They've started a whole push to, to make their wines more more known. Uh, and we had some good wines there as well. I don't think we went anywhere in France where we didn't try lots of wine and have really good ones. The only place that didn't really work was in Brittany because there it was apple, apple cider. Apple ciders, but we saw wine. We saw good wine, but it wasn't a wine-growing region. That's so. true. Yeah. yeah. So those are our favorite trips in France. Um, each of those would be a good week-long trip. Seven days. Nine days. Nine days. Depends on what you want to do. If you have two weeks, maybe a good week in Paris and another week uh, in the Alsace or in the Loire or Southern France or Brittany. You, I don't think you can go wrong. You can't go wrong. They're all wonderful. Thanks for joining us at Streets of Eats, where we want to encourage you to savor the adventure. Please remember to hit the subscribe button and tell all your friends. Ciao Ciao for for now. now.